Why then are we faithless? This message today is fundamentally about God's heart for faithfulness within marriage. It's really about how much God cares about the covenant that he has instituted in what we call and he calls marriage. Hi, listeners, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're glad that you have dialed us in here today, and we trust that God's Word, as it's open verse by verse, will be moving in all of our hearts. My name is Craig Turnbull, and I have the privilege of hosting Live in the Light, and with me in our studios, our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons, and you have joined us in the middle of our Malachi series, and we think in the middle of a very important message for all of us today. It's a message on marriage, and Robbie, you don't have to look very far today to see that marriage is completely under fire, and what an encouragement that God's Word speaks to the truths that we need to hear today. Yeah, yeah, 100%, Craig. You nailed it right there. And so you might be listening, well, I'm not married, should I listen? Oh, 100%. Because again, the health of our society by God's design really starts with the health of the family. The health of the family is found in the heart of the marriage and the health of the marriage. And so God brings a very powerful word here in Malachi chapter 2 on faithfulness in marriage, and he really calls out his people. And of course, how applicable this is. As you listen, we pray that you will find that, you will find conviction, but also have a resolve to understand just how much. Craig, we we hear today too, one of the strong biblical narratives is surrounding the institution of marriage, literally from creation all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, when Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, comes to gather his bride. So marriage itself between a man and a woman is to picture the marriage of Jesus Christ with his church. Anyways, I don't want to give it all away yet, but it's such a big deal today. Again, listen in. Oh, may the Lord impact you. May the Lord speak to you. May the Lord encourage you greatly on his heart, regardless of what the culture says. Let's hear what God says, which of course always transcends culture. Again, expectant for what he will do and speak to you today. Amen. Amen. Well, may God lead all of our hearts today. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10 is where we're starting. Let's go right away over to Pastor Robbie with today's message. Please open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 2. I'm going to get right to our sermon title today. It's this, why then are we faithless? You're like, oh, that's not very nice. But, but it's right out of our text today. And this is the theme, at least the subject we want to concentrate on. Why then are we faithless? In my opinion, that's a provocative title. Um, it instantly stirs up controversy. Maybe you're like, Wait, what do you mean, faithless? Why are you saying that about me? Or how come you even suggest that in this setting? I think it also quickens the attention of the listener because when you hear the phrase, why then are we faithless? It's implying a context of wrongdoing. It's implying a context of inconsistency. And of course, faithlessness. The reason that's our title today, our passage today contains seven verses. Five times the word faithless is used in seven verses. 
So that means God is sending a message in this particular passage. It's a message that when you gaze upon the perfect faithfulness of God towards us and you see his perfect relational faithfulness to us, it begs the question of ourselves as we recognize our imperfect faithfulness to God. And really what we want to ask ourselves is why then are we faithless? Why do we treat God the way we do? Why do we treat each other the way we do in light of the relationship that we are to have with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit who lives within us? Why then are we faithless? Now this accusation or this charge, this exhortation is specifically used in Malachi chapter two, verses 10 to 16 in the context, listen, of marriage. This message today is fundamentally about God's heart for faithfulness within marriage. It's really about how much God cares about the covenant that he has instituted in what we call and he calls marriage. As you track through the book of Malachi so far, what do you see? You see God saying, I mean, I love you. I love you, my people. I love you so much. I, I want you to love me. He's like, listen, I want you to fear me. I want you to live in the, in the honor of my name because that's when life is really felt and lived. I, I want your hearts to be healthy. Because if you don't love me, if you don't honor me, then your hearts are not healthy. Then what inevitably happens then, the rest of life begins to fall apart. If there's no fear of the Lord and no love for God and no healthy heart, if there's no strong vertical, there's really no hope for the horizontal. And we're going to see that today in Malachi's text. The horizontal is starting to get really messed up because the vertical has been neglected. It's been dismissed. It's been despised. And God knows this. He's like, if you don't get right with me, then all the other stuff's not going to go great. My people, won't you return to me that I may return to you? Again, it's amazing to me, this book written 2,500 years ago, prophesying with stunning accuracy into our day today. Because think about it. Think about it in our day today. The lack of love for God, the lack of fear of God, the hard heart against God. And what do we find ourselves? We find ourselves in swimming in the midst of society that is being destroyed. You took away the love for God, the fear of God, a heart for God, and society begins to crumble. In Malachi's day, yes. In our day today, yes. And what does God know? It always starts in the home. Because why? God has designed it to be that way. He has designed a man and a woman to come together in the sacredness of marriage to form a home and Lord willing to have a family. And that's where society is found. The destruction of marriages, destruction of the home, destruction of society. And here we are. And God knows this. And this is why marriage is a massive deal to him. We cannot miss that as we enter into this passage today. So 
I'm going to say some details about marriage specifically for the remainder of this message, but just to start off by saying God cares so much about hearts for him and specifically marriages rooted in him and faithfulness in marriage and how sacred it is to the Lord. The question before all of us today in one way or another then is this, why then are we faithless? Why then are we faithless? You know, wisdom right now, wisdom takes that question seriously. Foolishness says, what do you mean? I'm not faithless. I'm not faithless at all, man. I'm just, I'm doing great. I'm serving the Lord and doing this. I'm just, you know, everything's going super great. I don't believe that's wisdom because then wisdom says right now, I say, no, no, there's something God needs to teach me today. I think the wise person right now is saying, Lord, I don't maybe see it right this moment, but I pray that you would show me what you need to say to me on this issue of faithfulness to you and faithlessness in me. God, I pray that you would speak that I might hear. That's what wisdom says right now. And so I exhort you to wisdom, a posture of learning, a desire to say, God, there's something here for me today within the question, why then are we faithless? Malachi 2 verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another? Profaning the covenant of our fathers. Judah has been faithless. There it is again. An abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this and who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Verse 13. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears and with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But notice, but you say, why? Why is he not accepting our offering? Why does he not? Why is he not listening to us? Here's the answer. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Listen, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking in a faithful covenant of marriage? Here's the answer, godly offspring. Now here's the result. Therefore, so, so, so guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Notice it ends again, repeating, repeating the phrase, the exhortation. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. I'm hoping you're picking up the theme as we went along. It should be pretty clear. Marriage is the theme and faithlessness is the accusation. Now, faithfulness is the charge. Let's get started then. We're dealing with what God believes and desires within the context of marriage and specifically faithfulness from our lives to it and to him. So within marriage, we start here, point number one, we must be faithful to the Lord. Within marriage, first and foremost, which is most important, we must be faithful to the Lord. Now we enter into this message right now, you might say, well, I'm not married, so can I leave now? Absolutely not, all right? Here's what you have to understand. One of the reasons that marriage is so sacred to God 
because marriage is really describing the most important relationship there is in the universe. The relationship of Jesus Christ to his church. You're not married now. You want to be married one day. You definitely know people who are married. Listen, every marriage around you impacts you in some form, in some way. God has designed it. That marriage to be the center of the health of the home and the church and the community and the nation and the world. So regardless of if we're married now or want to be one day, whatever, this is a message that is relevant and pertinent to every single person who sits here. Young child, you are here right now in this service. And your ability to listen and comprehend the word of God, do not let this message go you by. Do not miss how important it is to the Lord that you would be raised up in a situation that you understand most of all in this deplorable society that we live in many ways. That the ways of Jesus Christ are perfect, fantastic, and will never see error because his ways always, always work. And it begins with an understanding as to the covenant, the design, and the perfection of God that he seeks to have within what he has designed called marriage. You need to listen. There's something here for every single person here right now. Verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? The point that verse 10 is making is this. We've all been made in the image of God. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? So therefore, um, all people are equal before God. Now, specifically in this context of Malachi, God's people have all come from the same father, not Abraham, God himself. So that means then all people deserve respect and honor. But what we find out here is the Jews were not treating each other with honor and respect. They were actually treating each other with contempt and at times with hatred. Now, remember the context is they have just returned from captivity in Babylon for 70 years, okay? If there's ever a time they needed unity of heart, it was now. If there was ever a time they needed to band together for mutual encouragement, for love, for understanding, to be compassionate and empathetic towards one another, this is it. But as one commentator said, as the wolves raged outside the Jewish people, the four nations coming against them, the sheep were biting and devouring one another on the inside. And that is very sad. Why then are we faithless to one another? Think of how this applies to us right now. Let's be so wise here. Is it possible that when we treat each other so, so poorly, okay? think about think, think of things that you and I have seen over the years of following Christ. Think about how when believers treat each other so poorly uh, in the church, in friendships, in community, in marriage, in leadership, when there's such a poor treatment of one another that is anything but Christ-like and, and lacking the essence of what it means to follow Christ and the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the question. When we treat each other so poorly, is it possible in that moment that we truly love the Lord? Because again, if, you're, if you have the vertical tuned in, man, the horizontal is being impacted. But when the horizontal is all messed up, that's indicating there's a greater problem within us or within the church. I mean, consider 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
Jesus himself said in the gospel of John, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So how important then is the unity, humility, and harmony within God's church demonstrating the fruit of the spirit? Why then are we faithless? You know, a man was reported to look inside a church that was full of division, strife, and, and factious behaviors. And he looked and he says, who are these people? And the answer came back and says, these are people, listen, who are very particular about breaking bread, but very careless about breaking hearts. And isn't that so true in many places in the church over the years and, and even today? There's a form of religion, but there's real no evidence of a true relationship with Jesus Christ to care for one another in the way that we are to do so. See, but in Malachi, there's a faithlessness to one another, which again, listen, the faithlessness to one another horizontally is indicating there's a greater problem. There's a faithlessness towards God. So this has got to make sense. If this relationship is broken, it's only a matter of time before this relationship is broken. I'm telling you right there, right there, that is the number one reason marriages fall apart. This is broken. I'm not saying it's the only reason. I'm saying it's the number one reason. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. That's all of life right there. All of life right there. If you abide in me, my, my words abide in you. If you are connected to the vine of Jesus Christ, if his words are abiding in you, he says, ask whatever you, you wish and it shall be done for you. The whole point of it is, is man, if, you, if I'm your first, if this is what's happening, you are hearing my voice, you are living out my will, you are getting my strength, you are being filled with what I want you to do. I mean, I'm telling you, give me a man and a woman that is abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and have his words abide in them. And I just, it's just gonna go. It, it won't be easy. It won't be without trial. It won't be without anguish but it's going to go in the direction that the Lord decides because the vertical has been established, therefore impacting the horizontal. Same with church, same with family, same with friendships, same with community, whatever it is. If every one of us right now is focusing on the vertical of Jesus Christ, we come in this place automatically being influenced by him to have his impact through the horizontal within our lives. And with this truth, we now enter specifically into the context of marriage and purity. Verse 11. Judah has been faithless and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. Notice, notice, here we find the first marital offense against the Lord. It was the marriage of foreign women by Jewish men. Notice how serious this is to the Lord. The Lord describes it as faithless and abomination and as profane. This is a big deal to God. Notice they had, quote, profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. Um, that is sanctuary can be described or translated as the holiness of God. They have profaned the holiness of God. Why? God had specifically throughout his Torah, law, Old Testament, a prohibited marriage to foreign women. But notice why he cares so much. Look at verse 11. They have married the daughter of a foreign God. Interesting, eh? How that phrase is written. What does this tell us? It's not about race. 
Of course, it's not about race. As if God doesn't accept Gentiles into his family, we're all living proof of that. Probably 99% of us right now are non-Jew. And we're proof that God accepts Gentiles. It's not about race. And what's it about? It's about relationship. It's relationship. It's the purity of the hearts for the Lord. Because notice here, when it says they married the daughter of a foreign God, what's that telling us? The daughters of the foreign nations, their identity is rooted, listen, in their idolatry. Their identity is in the false gods where God's people's identity is in him, the one true God. So the moment the Jewish men leave the Jewish context and marry the women of a foreign nation really to a foreign God, that is pure blatant idolatry and adultery against the Lord. That's why it's such a big deal to the Lord. Because why? It's idolatry that steals the hearts away from the Lord. And here we see again just how jealous God is for our love and for our hearts to be his. See, the moment the Jewish men begin to marry the foreign women is the same moment they wed their hearts to false demonic gods. And this is why it's such a big deal to the Lord. Understand this too, okay? The very thing that made the Jewish people unique and set apart was God. Right? The very thing that gave them their identity, their uniqueness, was their covenant relationship with the Lord. So when the Jewish people take the very thing that makes them unique and profanes him by seeking out relationship with false gods, that is why it's such a big deal to the Lord. You see, because they're not just cheating on their immediate context, they are cheating on God himself. This is what we must understand too. I've said this many times in years past. I'll say it again right now, right? In the context of my marriage to my wife, Jill, the proper theology is before I'm ever unfaithful to her, I am unfaithful to the Lord because I belong to him. When a person rightly sees the covenant they have made before God himself, they do not treat that casually. They do not trifle with it. They do not walk around and think it's some kind of game. They are not interested in their preferences and their desires for happiness at the first place. They understand I am walking before the Lord. The Lord witnessed. The Lord sees everything. I am his child. And in the fear of God vertically, I am now resolved to live my life in the fear of God horizontally with the relationships that I have. It's the loss of the vertical that despises and treats so casually the horizontal. That's what God's saying to his people, man. He's like, listen, when you do this, this is not so much against what's happening in your homes right now. This is against me. This is hearts being led astray away from me and I desire your love. That's why God treats marriage with such sacredness. This is also why the apostle Paul said, let's go New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6. He says this, think of the connection. Here it is. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not marry an unbeliever. The Bible is very, very clear. It's right here. This is God's will. Some of you walked in here today and tried to rationalize. I hear it all the time in different situations and whatever. 
Listen, here's what we know. 100% the will of God is um, believers do not marry unbelievers. 100%. No exceptions. Dating evangelism is a very dangerous game. You say, well, it worked in my context. Just the grace of God and how that all works, whatever. here's what we know to be so true. We know this to be so true. Listen, here's the reason why. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? It means worthlessness or emptiness. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? The most sacred intimacy and union we have is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then how can that be yoked unequally with someone who does not have the most essential? Doesn't mean you can't be friends. It doesn't mean you can't pray for it. Doesn't mean you don't love. But again, the Bible is so, so clear. Why? Because, because the Lord wants our hearts, you see. It's a heart thing. It's a hard issue. Let's break that down in a few more places of application. Consider why then in the same light, pornography is an abomination. Pornography is an abomination because you're giving your heart to false demonic gods. Men and women, remember, that's, what, that's what's happening when you do that. You're giving your hearts to false demonic gods. You're idol you're the idolatry and the adultery away from the Lord towards that which is absolutely evil. That's why God cares so much. He's watching his children worship pure demonic evil. Of course, he says, return to me. Consider why sex outside marriage between a man and a woman is profaning what God has instituted. The covenant that he has set apart for the beauty and the purity of marriage. Consider the believer turning his or her best and most sacred affections to that which is unholy and, and awful. So we need to understand if we are in this place right now or considering doing something, we need to convince ourselves by God's word today, listen, the results, the results will not be good if we do these things. God will guarantee that for us today. It's amazing how we say, no, I'll, I'll be the first person to live in pornography and also worship the Lord Jesus Christ with great effectiveness. No, you won't, man. No, you won't. That is impossible. That is theologically and spiritually impossible for that to happen. The results just won't be good. Now, the enemy says, oh, it's going to work out great. Your flesh says, do it, man. It's going to feel awesome. The Holy Spirit says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. The Lord speaks directly to our hearts today. And listen, listen, the marriage and relationships that have been so devastated by the faithlessness to our God. You know, that's what happens in verse 12. In verse 12, in this context, he's like, that man cannot come in front of me with worship. They will be cast aside. Here's what we know in our context. The Holy Spirit of God will be grieved. The Holy Spirit of God is grieved as we pursue things that are being described here in our text today. The Lord calls out for faithfulness among his church. May he find faithfulness to him here today. Maybe people be led towards repentance. Maybe people are led towards just a brokenness. And Lord, I need to be right with you. Praise God if that happens. Within marriage, we must be faithful to the Lord. Number two, within marriage, we must be faithful to each other. We must be faithful to each other. Look at verse 13 now. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping, groaning, because he, has, he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Here's right, because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless 
though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So what we see now is the heart of God for marriage, specifically, and just how seriously God looks at marriage and treats marriage. Let's get some theology of marriage before us right now. I find this is so helpful. Get a foundation of what the Bible says about the reality of marriage, starting from the first two chapters in the Bible itself. Here's a theology of marriage. Remember this. It was God who made male and female. God did that. God was the one. He made male and female to come together in a union. Again, only as beautiful as he can design. It was God who designed marriage. Well, a convicting message today for sure. We encourage you to be praying that God would help you as you choose to pursue him daily in your personal study and in prayer. Our prayer is that people are impacted by living the light. They would be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light. Oh, yeah. I want to be in the light as you are in the light.